Report, recorded live on the third largest moon in our solar system, Callisto. Projecting the voice with this mic that he's cuffing. You ain't his nupper, suckers he's snuffing. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It's me again. Icy Robots, I'm not a hero. I just sacrificed a little bit of my week every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, it is going to get less weak because we are going to talk about all sorts of fun stuff. We're going to hit on, well, this isn't fun, but we're going to hit on the passing of Yvonne Craig. We're going to move into a review of uh, The Man from Uncle, and then the main topic was going to be something totally different than it turned out to be, but we are in fact going to talk about a movie I saw called Straight Outta Compton. I went to see this not knowing what to expect, but I in fact had some, uh, I had some feelings about the movie overall, and we are going to talk about them. Don't worry, man. Nothing too drastic, nothing too big. And since uh, Iceberg 13's taking a vacation day and he headed over to Ryza on one of our shuttlecraft, it's up to me to hit the button that cues the next segment, so come on, hit it. Yo, ISR, man. I don't understand this, man. Yo, you've got to slow down, man. You're losing them. Radio. Suckers never play me. Break yourself. This is the Toys R Us Report. Available on the Retro Junkies Network. All right, my dudes, we got more sad news to report. Another inaugural party blimp rider has passed off into the great beyond. Yes, the beautiful, the lovely, the vivacious Yvonne Craig has left this mortal coil for what we can only hope is a greater beyond. Yvonne Craig has always had a special place in my heart. A special place down there deep in my heart because when she was playing Batgirl on the awesome super old Batman TV show, she became the first girl that I ever crushed upon. She was just, man... I thought she was so cool. She was like an action hero. She was out there fighting. She was doing all this sort of cool stuff. And she was beautiful. I mean, it was too much, too much for my young heart to handle. And I fell hard. And it became a lifelong romance. Not only with Yvonne Craig, but also with the character of Batgirl in general. I, I don't know. I just think she is the best. I, I'm really sad about this. I started thinking about it and I said, you know... Today is the day that Batgirl has died, and Batgirl is my favorite comic character. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to admit it. Batgirl is my favorite, and it's just sad to think today's the day she passed away. They wrote a nice... I'm trying to reach for it now. They wrote a nice thing in the newspaper, my local paper about Yvonne, and I am going to take... Gonna take a bit, and we're gonna look at it. Um, let's see what we can learn about her from this. Before she began her acting career, Craig was a ballet dancer. She traveled for several years with the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo as its youngest member. Her many TV credits besides Batman include the many loves of Dobie Gillis. I love Dobie Gillis. Do you guys watch that show? It has Gilligan from Gilligan's Island. He's kind of a beatnik. Really good stuff. Uh, she was on The Six Million Dollar Man, Kojak, Starsky and Hutch, The Mod Squad, Voyage of the Bot, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, 
Love American Style and Star Trek. Let's see what it has to say about that. In one of her more memorable roles, Craig played Marta, a green-skinned slave girl in the Star Trek episode Whom Gods Destroy. She performed a seductive, loose-limbed dance that seemed to nearly overwhelm William Shatner's Captain Kirk while Leonard Nimoy's Spock pronounced it mildly interesting. Well, that's an understatement right there because we've all seen that clip and uh, it's a, a bit more than mildly interesting. When you look at the roster of TV shows Yvonne was on, you can see, man, she was on just about every geek show of the time. She had Star Trek, Six Million Dollar Man, Batman, Kojak, you name it. Very accomplished career in the world of geekdom, Miss Craig. I did get to see her in person one time at a comic show near to the space station. We went down. I went down pretty much for the sole purpose of seeing what she looked like in uh, real life. And well, she was a bit older, but still. Still a beauty, and I could tell that she was very nice. She was very polite to everybody who came up asking for her autograph. Very warm. Just, she seemed like, she seemed like a very cool lady. And, well... You are going to be missed, Yvonne Craig. She passed away at the ripe old age of 78, which isn't really... You do have some years left at that point. You should be able to enjoy some more life. So it's sad. A bit sad. She fell victim to breast cancer, which is also super sad. I'd hate to think of anyone suffering, especially somebody of her stature. At any rate, Miss Craig, it pains me to have to do this, but it's time. Yvonne Craig, we reminisce over you. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? I think you should look out the window. You can't be serious. trying to stop the car. We're struggling here. Why don't you take a shot at him? Somehow, it just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. I went into Man From U.N.C.L.E. with high hopes. It's directed by Guy Ritchie, who you might know from Snatch and Lockstock, those uh, cool English comedy action films from back in the 90s. Anyway, he's the dude, was it the 90s? I do not know if it was the late 90s or the 2000s. At any rate, you might know him from Snatch and Lockstock, which is two super dope movies, action comedies, and uh, we know him as, we know him as a quality director. Dude seemed like he had the world in the palm of his hand with these two movies. And then he married Madonna, made a couple flops, but he had a giant comeback with Sherlock Holmes, which was also, also super dope. So it appeared very stylish and very fun. And well, it wasn't the greatest movie of all the times, but it was pretty fun. I had a good time. There was not at any point I was bored. There was no point when I'm like, I got to get out of here. It was fun. It wasn't as fantastic as Sherlock Holmes or as Fast and Furious or any of these other high-end action movies, but dude, it was really good. It stars Army Hammer, Henry Clavel, and Alicia 
Vic Ander, I believe that's her name. We know her from Ex Machina, the movie that we saw earlier in the year about artificial intelligence. We know her from that. She's Swedish. She's beautiful. Uh, this is one, this is one thing that will really jump out at you from the beginning. This movie has, this movie has just about the most attractive cast you can imagine. It has the lovely Alicia Vikander, True Beauty, True Beauty, just a real movie star, very attractive lady, very attractive young lady. It has Army Hammer from The Lone Ranger, good looking chap, and then it has on top of all that, Superman himself, Henry Clavel, a dude so attractive that he makes the dream date Army Hammer play a second fiddle to his gorgeous visage. I do want to say for the record that the term gorgeous visage came from the old lady. That is what she used when speaking upon him. She said, oh, he, he is just a gorgeous visage. So her words, not mine. Anyway, they are perfect for this movie because this movie is just stylish. It's set in the 60s and it has great 60s clothes, decor, everything. It's just, man... A very good-looking, stylish movie. Now, it does not have a lot of substance. I don't know the plot. Something about a uh, nuclear warhead and terrorists. Just some spy stuff. A lot of turns, twists. I don't know. There were so many twists that I myself got twisted and forgot what was going on. But still... You will enjoy it. Just, you will enjoy looking at the scenery, the beautiful people, the beautiful settings, the beautiful cars. Just everything is great to look at. That's one of, that is one of Guy Ritchie's areas. He could really make a stylish, God, I, I want to think of another word for stylish, but that's the only word that I can think is suitable because the movie really focuses on style of clothes, style of cards, the style of everything. And Guy Ritchie's perfect for it because he has he has this way of shooting action that is very distinct. You can see it in Sherlock Holmes, slow motion, just, I don't know, man. The dude knows his way around a camera, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. And that is very apparent if you've seen any of his movies. The dude focuses more on the camera than on the story, which is awesome because, dude, I don't care. His movies look great and... Not everything, not everything has to be for your mind. Some things are for your eyes. And this movie is definitely for your eyes. Eye candy all the way. And hey man, I'm not complaining. It's all good in the hood. It was hot. It was a very hot day. I was very happy to get out of the sun into the theater. Enjoy some stuff that I did not have to wrap my brain around to try to figure out. It's pretty people in pretty places doing things to bad people who are trying to do bad things to all of us. Good time and the summer movies. I can't say you need to go rush out and see it, but if you like Guy Ritchie, if you if you feel like you want to see it, go see it because man, you will enjoy it on at least the visual level. I'm going to give it the ISR, maybe not 10, maybe around 6 or 7. Thumbs up. And uh, that wasn't the only time we went to the movies this week. We saw something else. And I got to tell you guys, it's not going to be all movies all the time. This is summer. This is when the fun movies come out. And I'm going to the movies two, three, sometimes four times a week. It's just that time of the year, my guys, at the movies over the summer. But we're going to get back. It's going to get back to more toy talk as I can see how the movies are starting to dwindle off. Nothing's really coming out that great this week. So at the movies, is going to start slowing down. Toys are going to start picking up. But as for now, it is what it is. It's time for the movie biz. All right, we're going to talk about the next one. I got a videotape clip here. Got some strong opinions about this movie. It is known as Straight Outta Compton. Spinning records ain't paying the bills around here. I get paid. $50. It's a start. Hey Q, what you a poet now? 
The flyest one you know. <laughs> Cruising down the street in my 6 4. Hey, that was dope, eh? How you go from selling rocks in the dope house to eating dinner in the White House? <laughs> our art is a reflection of our reality. We were getting ready to leave the house. We were going to go see Pixels. We were going to spend a bit of summertime together before it's all over. But at the last second, 2.0 decided, I want to go back in the house. I don't want to see Pixels. I want to stay home. We were, it was so hot. It was so hot that day, so there was no way we were going to cancel on this for us. And when she decided to flake out, I said, hey, man, it's your choice. You can stay home if you want, but we are going to go. But we're not going to see Pixels. We're going to go see something else. We're going to see Straight out of Compton. I did not know what to expect with this movie. I have seen a couple rap bios. I saw Biggie Smalls movie. That might be it. Was that the only one? Maybe I only saw the one. I saw that, and well... I wasn't too impressed, and I don't, I don't talk about this too much, but I consider myself to be somewhat of an amateur hip-hop historian. Maybe you can tell by the tone of the show, maybe just by the overall tone, that I am a 90s hip-hop mark. And when I go see things like this, I find myself just sitting there poking holes in the story in my head, as opposed to uh, just straight up enjoying it. And this time, that did happen, but... I absolutely enjoyed this movie. I'm not in any way the biggest NWA fan in the world. I'm more of an East Coast guy. We'll talk about all this later. But I did not know if I would like it. But when I sat down and from the first time you see Dr. Dre, Easy, and then they introduce MC Ren, Yella, the DOC, Suge Knight, Michelle it's amazing. It's amazing to see these people that I was reading about in Source Magazine being put up on the screen like that. I was just mad. I was flabbergasted. I had such a good time. Can you believe it? If you're into hip-hop, you will just be, you'll be blown away when you see the D.O.C. up in a movie. It was just, man, it was nuts to me. This was just nuts. It was bananas. I could not believe that I'm living in a day and age where MC Ren is going to be a major character in a big time summer movie. Oh, how, oh, how times have changed. And not only was this a big time summer movie, this was the biggest movie of the week. We went to see it on a Monday afternoon and the theater was packed. I swear to you, just about every seat in the elevated stadium portion was taken and a whole bunch of the floor was taken. It was nuts. This movie did great. It made its budget back in the first week, which kind of makes me feel like I hope that maybe they'll make more rap bios like this. There's a bunch of groups I would like to see bios from. Public Enemy, uh, Naughty by Nature, the Wu-Tang Clan. They could keep this going forever and ever. This could be the beginning of a whole new genre, my friends. But let's talk about the movie for a bit. The movie's good. The movie was really good, and I think that it would entertain even a non-rap fan. My wife, she's more of a Britpop person, but she had a good time with it. She thought it was cool. She had a million questions, which I was happy to answer. I'll tell you, man. This sparked her to ask me so many questions about NWA and Eazy-E that I knew the answer to that I've just been waiting. You know how you have this information in your head, this hobby information that you store up that nobody ever wants to know and you're just waiting for the moment for somebody to come and ask you some of these questions so you can sound like an expert on things that nobody cares about. Well, this was that time. She was like, 
was this really what happened with Eazy-E? Did he really die of AIDS? Did Jerry Heller really take all their money? Did he really own a record factory before the movie started? Did he, did he, it was just great because I knew the answers and she got to think that her husband was smart, which doesn't happen all that often. The acting in the movie was good. One dude who's really going to stand out and I don't know, I don't know what else there is for him out there is the dude who played Ice Cube. He is Ice Cube's actual son. I wonder if when they conceived the movie they came to him as agents like, O'Shea Jackson Jr. or whatever your name is, we have a role for you. It's the role you were born to play. And he's like, what is it? It's the role. The role you were born to play. The role of your dad. And he's like, man, all right, I'll do it. But he does do it and he does it good, man. He is, of course, he's just like Ice Cube. It's the role he was born to play. He's perfect in it. The dude who's easy is good. Rand is good. Paul Giamonti plays Jerry Heller. And this guy, this dude is an expert on playing scummy agents. He's done it before. And in this one, he does it up great. Everybody was excellent. Suge Knight, there is a Suge Knight in it. And this guy just seems like a psychopath. He's scary. Just like I imagine the real Suge Knight would be. There's a DOC. Now, I don't know what the DOC's personality was like, but this dude, he looks just like him, and he does a good job. It's just, I cannot say enough good things about this movie. Now, look, it's not a perfect film. It's not a 10+, plus, but it will definitely entertain you. And one of the things that's really fun about seeing it in the theater is, is that you will get to hear all these classic NWA tunes in the booming movie theater sound systems. Dude, you haven't lived until you've heard straight out of Compton in speakers that are bigger than your car. It was just great. Just great. Now, dudes, it's not a perfect movie. It really drags at the end. It goes on for way too long, and the part where Eazy-E passes away is just... It seems like it takes forever. There's just a lot at the end that they probably could have cut. They could have shortened it a bit. And a lot of their tales seem fantastical, and you will be watching them going, Come on, did it really happen this way? But you gotta suspend disbelief. You gotta go... This is a movie. This isn't some kind of PBS documentary. It is what it is. And just sit there and enjoy it and just just have a good time. You will definitely have a good time. We're going to take a quick pause right here, check out another clip from the movie. Then we're going to come back. We're going to talk a bit of hip-hop stuff. We're going to talk about my history in hip-hop and how it relates to NWA and how it affected me feeling about the movie. Just all sorts of, all sorts of jibba-jabba. So, all right, come on. Here we go. Y'all just got a snapshot of how Americans really feel. We gave the people a voice. We gave the people truth. Yeah, but your songs, they glamorize the lifestyle of gangs, guns, drugs. Our art is a reflection of our reality. What you see when you go outside your door? I know what I see. And it ain't glamorous. You get AKs from Russia and cocaine from Colombia. It ain't none of us got a passport, so... (laughs) Might want to check the source. Yeah, next question. Will you be more careful about what you say, how you say it? No. Probably not. No. Wow. Freedom of speech includes rap music, right? But we exercise in our First Amendment, as far as I'm concerned. And the government wrote that. Make sure to visit virtualdirtmall.com and support the show with a generous purchase of some retro or not-so-retro junk. He won't be sorry for long. Make sure to check that out. You won't be sorry for long, if at all. Also, 
make sure to check out supportthereport.com. That's our Patreon site. That's where you can get yourself a copy of the Toys R Us Report VHS Edition Volume 1. It's a super tape full of all sorts of cool stuff. It's off the DVR. It's off old DVDs. It's off old VHS tapes. It is good stuff, and the only place you can get your hands on the Super Tape is over at supportthereport.com. Anyway, let's talk a bit about NWA. I, I, you know, I don't want to be a hater, but I was never the biggest NWA fan. My rap leanings were more toward the East Coast. While NWA was doing their thing, I was into, like, Eric B. and Rakim and Public Enemy and things of that sort, and, you know... That's just how I rolled. I was more into dudes with, like, uplifting lyrics, uh, socially conscious lyrics, that kind of thing. That's the kind of dude I was at the time. Straight Outta Compton was initially released. I'm talking about the record. The record was released in 1988. 1988 was a fantastic year for rap. You had a public enemy. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Eric B. and Rakim released uh, the all-time classic, Follow the Leader. And then you had Run DMC with their, one of their all-time classics, Tougher Than Leather. This was one of my favorites. This might have been my favorite joint at the time. Marley Marl released his mixtape, A Juice Crew All-Stars, called In Control Volume 1. I used to play that to death. I had a bootleg copy of the tape. I remember for a while there was this dude at the uh, flea market over in Sebastopol, and he sold bootleg tapes. They were pretty good copies overall. The thing was, the insert was only the cover. There wasn't any kind of data on the inside. I had a copy of In Control Volume 1, and I played it. Man, I played it to death. It was a bootleg, and eventually the words came off the front. So... The tape ended up getting mixed up in the drawer of tapes and eventually tossed out. But there was more, more great stuff that year. Sir Mix-A-Lot released Swass. That one got a lot of play around my neighborhood. Dudes were just crazy into Swass. The Ultra Magnetic MCs dropped Critical Beatdown. Cannot sleep on Ultra Magnetic or Critical Beatdown. Uh, the 783 put out their big hit, Coolin' and Cali. It was a great time for hip-hop overall. N.W.A. did have a big part of that because I feel like at the time it was just me and a couple dudes I know who were rocking the uh, Marley Marl ultramagnetic stuff, but dudes were heavily, heavily into N.W.A. and that whole uh, Raider vibe. Dudes started rocking Raider starters. Dudes were rocking Raider shirts, Raider hats. It was just the thing to do, man. People were into those Loke sunglasses. I remember seeing those at the... Uh, at the flea market. Those are the kind that Easy e wears and people were rocking them like crazy. I know some dudes out there who's still rocking today. I'm pointing at you, Gino Vega. Not that there's anything wrong with rocking looks because it's a pretty tight look. But uh, it just goes to show you how far the NWA influence was stretching. For me, though, I was into like that socially conscious positive vibe. So NWA, I was always like, man, these guys are killing the community. Like, that's me in the suburbs of Northern California worrying about what NWA was doing to the community. But I do feel, I do feel that it did have some kind of a negative effect on things. That's just me. Maybe I'm a bit closed-minded and I'm not seeing the, uh, the source of the problems as much as I'm seeing the effects of the problems, but I don't know. There wasn't a lot of the gangbanging kind of vibe going on until NWA started reaching up into Northern California. That's just what I think. I might be wrong. I'm probably wrong. I do not know much. I was, uh, I was the kind of dude who would pump a public enemy. Oh, I forgot to bring this up. 
During the movie, Ice Cube breaks away from N.W.A. and he heads out. He makes a radical move. He goes to the East Coast and he records a record with Public Enemy and the Bomb Squad. That record is known as America's Most Wanted and it is a hip-hop classic. And for a moment during the movie, you see the Bomb Squad and Public Enemy. They aren't ever ID'd during the course of the movie, but there is a point where you see Cube recording in a studio and you can see the two Statler brothers in the front in their signature army coats and what appears to be Chuck D in the back. You can tell because he is wearing that Pittsburgh pirate hat with the P on it that he was rocking at the time. When he, when we see that, I marked out so bad at the theater. I was like, what? What is that? I couldn't believe it. We were actually seeing a day where the Bomb Squad was shown on the screen of a movie. Not only a movie, the number one movie. Oh, how times, oh, how times are changing. One thing I kind of think I might want to talk about for a second, but I don't really want to, was Dr. Dre's history of punching women. This got completely omitted from the movie, and I understand because, well, because you wanted him on board, and if you want him on board... You cannot show how, uh, how, how, he was just wilding out back in the day. There was an incident with D. Barnes. D. Barnes was a DJ, and as I recall, when I say DJ, I mean like a VJ. She was a VJ on, uh, I don't believe it was MTV, it was some other channel, maybe The Box, I don't even know. At any rate, Dr. Dre got into it with her one day. He said that she was saying some kind of garbage about him, so he straight up punched her in the mouth and threw her down a flight of stairs. Now, this is not hearsay. This happened. This uh, this was witnessed. This was witnessed by people, and this was a big thing for years. This was believed to be the end of Dr. Dre's career at the time, but somehow, somehow he overcame it in a way that... In a way that people with talent always find a way to overcome these things. He also socked uh, Terry B. This was a rapper that was on Ruthless Records. He socked her in the mouth too. And somehow, somehow he overcame that. And I don't want, even though they did not talk about it in the movie, I feel like I want to talk about it because in case you did not know, I think that it is something that you should know. Dr. Dre is not the cool, awesome hero that he appeared to be. He is kind of a creep. Another thing... Another thing that they did not mention that, well, they did sort of mention it. They show him with them, but he was part of a group called the Wrecking Crew before the, uh, before NWA, who's part of the world-class Wrecking Crew, and they released a record. They toured a bit, so Dre was not, he was not the poor guy that they show at the very beginning, overcoming all of these obstacles. He did have a bit of a career before NWA, albeit as a dude in a frilly shirt with makeup on an album cover. I'm not hating on Dre. I'm not a Dre fan, but I do think people should know this. I don't want this to get lost in history, so I am here reporting it on the place where people go to check facts about things, the Toys R Us report. All right, my guys. That's probably enough talk about Straight Outta Compton. Let's move into the final segment of the show known as the Toys R Us report. It's time, the final segment, your weekly toy shop update, the Toys R Us report. Sadly, my dudes, we are in the final segment. The show is almost over, it is almost at an end, and your life will have to go back to being boring and normal instead of full of joy. Full of joy from having the Toys R Us report to accompany you on your journey. Sadly, though... 
the store is still in back-to-school mode, and we are just not seeing a lot of fun stuff. One thing I did see that was cool, and I actually got up on, which I normally don't do, was they had Fight Club reaction figures. They had the whole entire set. You got Tyler Durden in normal gear. You got Tyler Durden in fight gear. You have Edward Norton and also Marla. So what I did was I bought Tyler Durden in normal gear, his normal uh, leather jacket gear. I didn't want the shirtless one, but I got them all there. I got a picture. You can see it. It's over on icrobots.com. Sadly, though, my dudes, there just wasn't a lot of fun stuff over at the store to report on. I hate doing that. I hate every week that the Toys R Us reports just not getting the cool toys to you. But what can I do, man? If they don't stock the shelves, I cannot talk about the fun toys. Oh, I did I did get a chance to talk to the manager. I was ringing up my toy, and I saw the dude had the store manager tag. And I'm like, oh, hey, man, you're the manager. And I said, how come... I feel like you guys don't stock a lot of the things as quickly as I would want. I just said straight up, man. I just asked him straight up because I am that kind of guy. And he gave me a look like, ugh, another one of these toy geeks. He gave me that look and he said, well, sir, we do stock the toys every night. And every night we have people who wait outside. And in the morning, they are the ones who get their hands on the toys first. I don't know if I believe that. He told me it's the same group of dudes every morning. And so... I am going to find out. One day next week, I'm going to head over there in the morning when they open up, and we will see if, in fact, there are people lined up every day who are swiping up all the toys as opposed to them not putting any ones out. We shall, we shall soon find out, my guys. I'm willing to do it for you. I'm willing to take it. Get up early and go and see what we can find. All right, my guys. This is me, Icy Robots, for the entire crew up here on the space station. We're talking Instant Melissa, Iceberg 13, and all the rest. This has been another boring episode of the Toys R Us Report, episode number 48. So, if you don't know, now you know. Yeah, that's right. This jam is rated Cold Medina, man. That's right, Cold Medina. We're in EFFECT, otherwise known as Effect. Know what I'm saying? Recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. This has been an IC Robots radio production. Make sure to tell a friend.